wrestling with my brother. We got a podcast, yeah. Wrestling with my brother. Hello and welcome back to the podcast that's now less regular than a wrestler on prescription painkillers. It's wrestling with my brother. Oh, it's sad because it's true. Oh, damn us and our adult stupid lives where we don't get to talk about awesome bloody wrestling. Just treat this as your monthly pay-per-view. <laughs> and then your bi-monthly pay-per-view. And then every four months like AW. Yeah, well, that's why. I mean, it's special. If you build up the... I can't speak about words. What are words? Hell, he's, he's, he's been without the podcast for a couple of weeks. He can't even speak talk. Exactly. If you build up the tension, if you build up the anticipation, people will want it even more. And then when they listen and you've got one host forgetting his words, the other yeah. just too tired to say anything, they'll they'll, <laughs> they'll soon go back to where they came from. <laughs> they'll count their blessings. That'll show them. Oh, my God. Now I know what you're going to say. Oh, so what's new in, uh, in wrestling? AEW Revolution. It was on Sunday night. Me and my awesome wife watched it for five hours last night because we had the the build-up show as well. Too long, Um, isn't it, really? Too long, five hours. Don't be an idiot. Not long enough. It was sensational. Everything. You had personal grudge matches, Texas death matches, which you know I'm going to have to find a clip for because that shit was barbaric. An Iron Man match, which went the distance, and then some... New new wrestlers winning the belts, title changes. Oh, my God. Like, I saw this post and it said, well done, Tony Khan, because 90% of the people who won their matches were not only young, but homegrown talent. Ricky Starks, Hangman Adam Page, all of these guys that basically, yeah, have been developed through AEW. Got the big W. Oh, it was amazing. So good. I'm happy for you. Mabby for you. Watch it. You can't watch it. Get on Fight TV. Watch it. I can't watch it. I just, I don't have the time. I certainly don't have five hours to devote to anything. Five hours is a day. That's a day of my time. Fuck that. Well, no, I got in at five. Had some food. Banged it. Done it. Banged it. Done. Finished it at ten. I don't want to know what you did. Aside from (laughs) Banged it. Done. Got some barbed wire rigged across my wife's head. Oh, it was amazing. The quality of the matches. You can't find AEW clips online full for love nor money. AEW posts them, but then they clip them to like a minute or two minutes. It's very annoying. Yeah, well, we've had that a few times on this podcast, haven't we? Where clips that we've picked from AEW have then just disappeared a few days later. And we've had to um, point people in different directions to find them. But, I mean, they want to keep their copyright, don't they? So... I, I know, but, you know, you see WWE, I mean, that's why we feature, I think, more WWE matches than anything else, and TNA. You get, like, four 30-minute matches. AEW can't even put up a 10-minute match. I thought, oh, that was a quick match. I'll find that now, send it to my bro. Nope, can't. It's clipped. 30 seconds. Well, WWE can afford to put out those sort of things because they know that they've got enough revenue coming in from all their various sources, but AEW is still growing, and they need to make money, and they want people to buy the product so you can understand it in a way but yeah it's, it's frustrating for people like us it is but no it, it was oh so good 
So good. Fuck you, MJF. Oh, he's a piece of shit. He's so horrible. He's vile. I saw something about him uh, pouring water over a kid and it, it not being a stooge and the kid was really upset and the parents were really pissed off or something. Yeah, he, he is like blue in the lines now. Between, uh... Uh... So he, he went up in my estimation after that. <laughs> I love him now. Next week is MJF week. <laughs> no, but that's what you want a heel to be. You want him to be creating that heat and in an edgy promotion like AEW... You know, you you want him to be chucking water over kids and, you know, <laughs> annoying people, getting grannies to hit him with their knitting and stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a blast in the past. Jesus. Yeah, well, look at Jericho. You know, when he was healing to re and they attacked his car, didn't they? They were, like, jumping all over him. That's what you want. You're doing your job right if people despise you legitimately. So, yeah. Good. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you're still finding the time in your life to watch wrestling because... At least one of us is. I mean, that's that's good for this podcast. You've got to make time, bro. You don't find time; you make it. We ha- we have no time. You just gotta you just gotta make time. It's wrestling is life, and life is wrestling. Let's do our first feature, shall we? It's called Who Would Win? Yes, who would win? And it's my choice this week. And uh, just gonna go a bit weird with this one. Who would win between X Pack and Two Pack? Oh, well, hang on, you've got to go wrestler. Oh god! No, you haven't. Sometimes they bring in non-wrestlers. Look at um, Floyd Mayweather. Look at yeah. um, well, Snoop Mickey Dogg, Rourke, Hall of Snoop Dogg. Exactly. So if Two Pack hadn't been gunned down back in the nineties, and he got to fight X Pack, who'd win? How would you book that match? Jesus Christ. It's got to be a street fight, isn't it? Hood, a hood street fight. They they could be the most... Oh, can't talk. They'd be the most politically incorrect match known to man back in the day. And, you know, you'd look at it now and think, oh, my God, you just degraded this man to his urban roots. Yeah, hood street fight. Boy, it'd be close. I think X-Pac would just get the win based on his wrestling ability alone. I think just at the end. Maybe Tupac pulls out a gun and X-Pac drops in with the X-Factor just before he gets a cap in his ass. One, two, three. Pins him on a pallet. Job done. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm I'm down for that. Well, um... I'm down for that. Shit. Oh, God, that's weird. Don't try and be all street now. No, I'm not, I wasn't. I genuinely think that's a good... It would be, it would be a street fight. You're right, a hood, a hood fight, a hood street fight. Yeah. And I think um, some of uh, Tupac's gangster rap mates would get involved. All of his mm. crew, all the ones that he used to rap about. I mean, I can't remember their names now, but they were a whole bunch of them. Um, it, they'd, they'd probably be run-ins from Biggie Smalls and uh, people like that. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, X-Pac would probably pull in... DX to uh, to help him out. I think it'd be good. I, I'd like to have seen it. I think, uh, yeah. What, what would Tupac's finishing move be? Um, uh, change, changes. California, The California Love. Maybe something like that. It's, it's not striking the fear in the hearts of men, is it? <laughs> the, the ghetto gospel? I don't know. <laughs> what about the death descent from above? Get out. <laughs> little uh, little nod back to uh, wrestlers of the ages there for the keen listeners among you. 
Um, Hit Em Up. I mean, that's my favorite Tupac song. I absolutely love that song. I used to be able to rap that all the way through. Sounded like Louis Through, yes, I know, but still <laughs> able to remember all the lyrics. Oh, just, just a massive rant against every enemy, real or perceived, that he had. Fantastic. And so, of course, that, that's what he would probably come out to. I think that would be the name of his finisher, the Hit Em Up. Here we go. Done. I want you to talk about it less and rap about it more. So, I mean, you've said you used to. So, if you used to know it all, surely you got it one verse in you. You claim to be a player, but I fucked your wife. We bust some bad boys. No, I'm not doing that. There's, <laughs> there's, there's way too many um, words that I'm no longer allowed to say in that. <laughs> you sound like a reversing truck with all the bleeping. Basically. <laughs> Good. There we are. I like the line where he says about one of the other guys he hates, and he says, um, one of you bleeps um, got sickle cell <laughs> or something. You're going to have a seizure or a heart attack. You better back the fuck up before you get smacked the fuck up. I mean, yeah, he he's moved away from the ballads, didn't he, you know, after that. And he, and he went really hardcore with it. I think, you know, his earlier lyrics just show how sensitive a young man he was. Well, he moved away from the ballads and into the bullets. Ooh. Ooh. Are you going to insert some bang, bang, bang? Woo! <laughs> I mean, why not? We've been disrespectful to, to his memory. <laughs> but uh, yeah, RIP Tupac, Westside. Westside for oh. life. Who would win? Oh, two of the whitest gangsters to ever live. Right, I don't know how I segue. I'll try. My first uh, clip this week is one I've been wanting to feature for a while. I guess it's been on your radar as well. I don't know. Maybe it is. He's nodding. Yes, it is. This is Shawn Michaels versus Vader at SummerSlam 96. Oh, the heartbreak kid versus Big Van. What a clash in styles here. But by God, Vegda could go back in the day. I mean, so impressive. He moved like nobody else. And I didn't plan this, but this is one of two clips of mine featuring impressive big guys this week. Uh, Yeah, just how random. I mean, this match has it all, doesn't it? High-flying power, the drama, and a giant botch that Sean deemed so bad that he would take matters into his own hands at the 13-minute mark. I mean, this is the main reason why I picked this clip. It's been doing the rounds. And it just goes to show how much stroke Michaels had back in the day. I mean, this match led to the downfall of Vader in WWF, let's face it. Because if you fuck over the click, you're not getting a lick of other work. <laughs> yeah, so basically, Sean was supposed to go for an elbow drop. And Vader was meant to roll out of the way. Uh, he didn't. I don't know why he didn't. He just led there, probably too knackered, blown up. And he made Sean look really stupid. So what does he do? A quiet word in Van's ear, maybe? Nope. 
he legit stomps on his head and shouts, stupid, stupid. Reminds me of uh, you and I when I was doing my homework back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember kicking you in the head. You did, yeah. Every, every time I asked you for maths uh, homework advice, stupid, which brought it all flooding back. Um, yeah, I mean, good match, good back and forth, very competitive, very hard hitting. You thought the, that Vader would have the spotlight, but Michaels was pretty much all over him. Um, but, you know, it's not the size of the dog that matters, it's the amount of pull that you have backstage. Yeah, indeed. The man they call Vader. Oof, well, just call him Vader then, Dick. <laughs> Dick? Like, two or three times throughout this match. The man they call Vader. What? Just call him Vader. Why do you keep saying that? <laughs> anyway, it's so easy to forget that Vader was actually in WWE because he didn't win a title there. Unlike in WCW, where he was a multi-time world champion and a main event star. I mean, to be fair, he was a main eventer for a little while in WWE and did challenge for the title for a few times against Michaels and The Undertaker, especially. But by the end of the run, he was basically a jobber, which is a shame because he was so quick and so agile and obviously so powerful. You know, for a man of his size, he was really good. And the career that he had in WCW and especially in Japan just goes to show, you know, how good and how well respected he was in the industry. But this was peak Shawn Michaels as well. Probably the best wrestling he did um, in his career, but also the worst that he would ever behave because of his backstage influence and the whole click. And yeah, that botched turnbuckle um, elbow drop spot was just so unprofessional, showing absolutely no respect to Vader whatsoever. Um, I remember reading something that Jim Ross said on a podcast that Vader would have basically been within his rights to have beat the shit out of Michaels backstage. And yeah. he's surprised that he didn't because mm. he, he could have. And of course, then Sean used his influence to get Vader sacked. I mean, yeah, the match was good. They they were both so good in this and there were some really good spots. I thought the ending was a bit overbooked. You know, two restarts, just one too many, really. The eventual finish was good. You know, the, the Vader failed moonsault followed by an actual Shawn Michaels moonsault. I thought it was uh, a good finish. I enjoyed that. But um, yeah, it was it was a bit overbooked at the end there. And just a good clash of styles and sizes that, that really could have been better if it wasn't for Sean's attitude. Yeah, very eloquently put, young man. No, I just like throughout it felt almost like a squash match but for the wrong reason like by the wrong guy sean was so dominant and he's tiny you know we go on to our feuds with the undertaker and although that was a competitive feud it's the phenom you know he's gonna beat the shit out of you look at the hell in the cell match with him but yeah it's like you look at vader's matches with cactus jack they were one-sided cactus wasn't all over vader they beat the living shit out of each other but yeah i mean weird stomping head thing aside, I thought Michael's, you know, put him to work. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was booked well, but that was, again, probably Michael's backstage influence. It should have been booked as Vader being this unstoppable monster heel that Michael's only just manages to escape with his life, you know? Yeah. But instead, it was almost the other way around. It was, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like I said, Vader was, was totally mistreated and misbooked in, in WWE, and it is a shame. 
because uh, he was good. And you're right, it's funny. I've made very similar notes about the other clip that you've picked because I feel the same way about Bam Bam Bigelow, you know? He, he had a better run in WWE, but he still didn't win anything. But the, they were two very similar wrestlers. And I think they actually might have teamed up um, at one point in Japan, Vader and Bigelow. Bam Van Vedalo. Oh, I got the first two. Bam Van Vedalo. I like it. Good. Oh, podcast title. There you are. You're welcome. Oh, yeah. This is my first clip. This is Sting versus Ric Flair on the last ever WCW Nitro in 2001. You can hear the fan of Stinger again. What? Will the future hold for World Championship Wrestling? Will there be a future? We're going to find out in this broadcast. The fact that you see Mr. McMahon on Nitro is an incredible feat in itself. Something I never thought I would see. The world never thought they'd see that. The, the, The simulcast still to come in this broadcast, I guess with Raw and... Mr. McMahon to, to tell us what's going on. What's our future? What's the future of Sting? What's the future of Ric Flair? Can you imagine Mr. McMahon with the future of Ric Flair right in the palm of his hand? The future of the industry. History. The last ever WCW show and the last ever proper WCW match. Of course, by this time, it had already been sold to WWF, soon to become WWE. And this episode was a simulcast with Raw. Uh, First of all, what an odd choice of venue for a wrestling show. Boardwalk Beach Resort in Panama City Beach, Florida. Essentially a nightclub on a beach. I mean, WCW did take a show to some odd places during its time. Yeah, like a rude wild. Well, yeah, a bloody biker rally. But, you know, WWE by this time was selling out arenas and big arenas. And then WCW was putting on shows to paltry crowds in this place. I mean, it was no wonder that it was going under. But, yeah, the last match on the last show. And what two better man to have in the ring than perhaps the two that are most synonymous with the entire WCW product, Ric Flair and Sting. They wrestled each other on the first ever Nitro. So why not on the last ever one? And... This is only a short clip, but there's this so much emotion from the commentators, not only because of the two legends in the ring and, you know, the, the end of WCW, but they genuinely didn't know what the future of the company or their own future was going to be. They didn't know if they were going to have jobs after this, that it wasn't just them being commentators and bigging up some wrestling angle. This was real life. This is as real as it gets. They didn't know if they were going to be sacked in the morning. They had no idea what Vince McMahon was going to do. It's just totally unprecedented. Um, I mean, the match itself, by no means a classic. Flair refused to move remove his T-shirt because he'd recently had surgery, apparently, and he wasn't... He didn't have a physique that he wanted to show off in the ring. Um, and there's a quote from his autobiography, which says, it wasn't our finest moment. I wasn't ready physically or mentally. When Sting threw me into the corner for my flip, I couldn't even make it over the turnbuckle. But yeah, it, did, it didn't matter that it wasn't a classic because it was actual wrestling history. And then the embrace at the end is probably the most genuine moment of emotion that those two men have shared in the ring. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> I love the little R at the end. Oh, it, it's just... 
that took me right back. I mean, I I said before on the pod, me and our stepbrother used to bond over watching WCW. He'd, he'd get his mum to tape it, literally tape it on, <laughs> on Sky, and then uh, bring the tapes around for us to watch. And yeah, you know, I I did used to like WCW back in the day. So I, I was kind of jumping back and forth. I think I watched more WCW and obviously ECW than, than WWE. Uh, just what a night. What a night for professional wrestling. Unbelievable and fathomable. Like you said, there's real uncertainty and the commentators are genuine. And, you know, n- none of the commentators would get booked in a WWE show. You know, Mike Tanay, of course, would go on to uh, to TNA. Oh, my God. Maybe that's why he went to TNA, because his surname is... Whoa! Mind blown, Mike TNA. Um, Yeah, I I want to know if you knew about the flair t-shirt thing. Um, Yeah, just basically letting himself go and, oh, why why am I bothering? Like, he hated WCW towards the end. I think you've... Do you own the rise and fall of WCW? You've watched it, definitely. You have watched it. And, uh, yeah, he, he was just saying then the product was awful. At the end, why why should I bother? You know, it, which is really sad because he is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. At a sleaze bag, don't get in a plane with the guy, sure, but you know, in the ring, <laughs> he's amazing. Yeah, I mean this this whole show. I mean, there's there's loads of clips that we could pick and might do in future because it it was history and it was unprecedented and it was it was exciting. You know, I didn't watch. Um, as much wrestling as you, well, now or back then, but I remember seeing, you know, we used to have Raw taped for us. I think our dad used to take Raw, and I think some WCW stuff was on some channel here in the UK that we used to watch as well. And I, I followed it all on, you know, wrestling message boards. So I knew what was happening, and I was reading about it, like, online all the time. And it was just, just so unbelievable that these two competitors were becoming one and that Vince had won. Um, and it, just so much about watching this clip back and then seeing other clips from that show. I went into a bit of a uh, a rabbit hole of, of clips from this this episode. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it all gave me goosebumps. That moment at the end with, with Vince, you know, addressing the WCW and WWE crowds at exactly the same time, just so weird. But yeah, so good. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about crowds. The crowd here was still rabid. I know you said it was a weird setting and nowhere near the levels of of people there, but they still stood by the product to the very end and they were still clamoring for an alternative. And it was just really sad to see because Vince hasn't used it. I know we said time and time again. He, he didn't do anything with WCW. It just fizzled out. His ego got the better of him. And we said, you know, how much better the invasion angle would have been. Imagine if these two legends would have led the charge instead of being kept at home with Goldberg and the NWO because of their stupid contracts. I mean, yes, if you could have a payday and sit on your ass as opposed to bust your ass, it is a bit of a no-brainer. But ugh, I mean, book a che- book a t- book of cheese. I can call them. A book of cheese was the the best that. WCW could have in the invasion angle and he just kind of fizzled out but no you know WCW does hold a place in my heart I do fondly remember it was Thunder I think we had over here might it be on channel 5 um I know yes. ECW. Yeah, yeah I think that was it yeah yeah it, it was definitely the B show we didn't have Nitro I, I distinctly remember watching Thunder I think it was like a Saturday night or a Sunday night maybe 
Um, and it was an alternative and it was more adult. You had the WWE, which even in the actual era was still quite cartoonish and silly. ECW gone the other way. And then WCW had more reality-based storylines and, you know, more grown-up gritty characters, mostly wearing black. And yeah, it, it was a genuine alternative and just very sad. Mm, I take issue with some of the things you said there. I think WWE was oh, fuck was charming. I think sorry, WWE sorry. was a was a much more mature product than you give it credit for in the Attitude Era. Um, it was it was childish, but it certainly wasn't child friendly. And um, I don't know how mature you think WCW was with matches that we featured on here, like Viagra on a pole. No, I think it was more to do with the presentation, maybe the way it was shot. I don't know. I. I... I think anything with uh, the king on commentary just makes it childish. <laughs> you know, he was very cartoonish. And yes, they both had ridiculous gimmick matches, but I don't know. I, I just, maybe it was just, you know, me back in the day, I always looked at the WCW product as more of a grown-up reality-based product, especially with the NWO and, and more wrestlers using their actual names as opposed to X-Pac and Triple H and The Rock. You know, it was very much Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Yeah, it was just something. And and yeah, the commentators, they, they seem to be more reality-based. I don't know. It just came across less cheesy, I think. Yeah, I think I, I get what you mean. And there was a lot more wrestlers that wore black. They didn't have mm. uh, so many different gimmicks and things. And they did try to do a lot of different stuff, you know, with the Lucha style wrestling that they brought in and those kind of more cruiserweight matches that they had. So yeah, there was a lot of good and I, I used to enjoy it as well when I what I watched of it. And um it it was a shame that they they buried the, the whole product, you know, not only the invasion angle which we talked about before, but just not using that WCW brand going forward. Imagine that they could have had two separate shows, one under yeah. the WCW banner, one under the WWE, all owned by the same man raking it in, you know, and then yeah. they could have had a, a fake slash, you know, kayfabe competition between the two of them. Yeah. Cul culminating in WrestleMania, which would have been a brand versus brand. Instead, they split it into the Raw SmackDown brands, which ugh, people didn't want to see. I, I guarantee if they'd done a WWE WCW brand split, that would have just just brought in ridiculous amounts of money for Vince. Yeah, and keep everything the same, but he didn't. You know, we've talked time and time again, Taz coming in and being so popular. No, 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 I didn't make you, so screw you. You're going under. You're not going to be, you know, having the push that you deserve. And yeah, you know, it's a sad, uh, sad time, but, you know, we're over now. AWZ, everything's right in the world again, bro. We've got two companies at the top living the dream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and to my second clip for this week's pod, and it is Spike Dudley versus Bam Bam Bigelow at ECW as good as it gets, 97. He's got Spike up! Oh my God! We've got Barney surfing at the ECW Arena. Hey, ESPN, I got your X Games right here. Enter big man number two. 
Bam Bam Bloody Bigelow. Another David versus Goliath match in an ECW clip. It's been a while, isn't it, for ECW? Look at me go. I love the feud that these two had back in the day in the land of extreme. Just little Spike Dudley was known as a giant killer because of wins over people like Bam Bam and 911. And I, you know, he, he gave me face that the normal everyday runt on the street could actually be a quote-unquote professional wrestler. It still blows my mind now because he had a pretty decent run in WWE as well and in TNA as brother runt. Yeah, just not an ounce of, of fat or muscle on the guy. Um, yeah, I love how Bam Bam basically telegraphs the finish of the match even before his name's announced. All right, mate, save a little bit for the end. God, imagine if every wrestler did that, come in the ring. Yeah, yeah, give me the mic. Right, this is exactly how the finish is going to go down. So get excited. It's going to happen about 12 and a half minutes time. Boom. It reminded me of Thanos telling the world what he's going to do if he gets all the Infinity Stones. Spoiler alert, mate. Wait, I... You know, give us two hours to wait for that. He's about the same size and shape as Thanos as well. He is. He very much is. But yeah, you know why I picked this clip. Not much of a match, let's be fair, but that press slam into the damn crowd. Any other wrestling audience would either step aside or try to get Spike back into the ring continue to continue the match. Not in ECW, baby. Oh my God. Not only do they catch the run to the Dudley Litter, but they crowd surf him around the arena. Crowd interaction was always at the heart of what ECW was about. You know, it was blood and guts and TNA and all of that shit. But the way, the relationship they had with their crowds, that that was what the company's all about. And this bout, I think, beautifully demonstrates that. I just think it's ironic you've picked a match featuring a wrestler known as the Beast from the East, when that's apparently the weather that we're going to be having over the next 24 hours. There you go. We're always on the cutting edge of current affairs on this part, aren't we? Absolutely. Um, in case that doesn't make sense to anybody, we're meant to be having a big spring snowstorm in the next 24 hours, which they're calling the Beast from the East. There we go. They're calling right. the spring, spring stampede, they, they're classing as, bro. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. Snow everywhere. Bam, bam, bam. Bigelow, Bigelow, Bigelow. <laughs> Uh, like Vader, Bigelow is another big man who spent time in WWE without winning a title and went on to have huge success in WCW. Uh, it was just weird when you think about it, isn't it? Because Vince loves big men. So why didn't he make these big men like the star attraction? Why he likes rock hard men as opposed to just fat men, let's be fair. I, 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 yeah, okay. Well, you try saying that to their face. <laughs> you're not when rock hard, mate. Like, you're fat. <laughs> I mean, I mean it with the utmost respect. I mean, they they're intimidating guys, but they're not Vince Big, are they? Is what I was trying to say. Yeah, they're not jacked up on steroids, Big. No. <laughs> no, it's just a fun little match. I mean, I always enjoyed watching Spike Dudley because um, he's a proper underdog, so atypical for a wrestler, as you've said. You know, the the scrappy little fighter who gives us all hope that we could one day become a wrestler. And, um, yeah, it's always fun to watch him. Well, wh whether he succeeded despite all the odds, which I think happened in the first match that they had, um, these two, a few months prior, if I if I listened to it correctly, or, you know, whether he was getting his ass handed to him, like that match you picked uh, with Mike Awesome. It was always just a lot of fun to watch him getting involved. He, he was great. And how he didn't spend a lot more time injured, I'll never know. 
oh my god, I saw an interview with him the other day, and he was talking about the clip where the Undertaker. Did you see that choke slams him off the apron directly onto the floor? Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, and and he said Undertaker was adamant he wasn't doing it. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. He's like, bro, I can take it. And he's like, you look like my niece. You can't take it. You're going to die. And and he took it. He said the wind was knocked out of him. He said I can just take a shitload of punishment, basically. That's mad. How do you find that out? How how many times have you got to put yourself through that to <laughs> to realize, poor guy? But I mean, the finish to this as well. Christ, could you imagine Bigelow splashing you from the top rope like that? What a terrifying sight. If you're lying on a mat, I mean, to see any wrestler hurtling towards you if you're lying prone on a mat has got to be a sight, but something the size of Bigelow, man, I'd be absolutely terrified. How does he not roll away? Just every fibre of my being would be like, roll away, roll away, <laughs> roll away. Mad. Well, it's... It, it, you saying that reminds me of uh, Bubba Ray Dudley. Remember when he used to just fall flat onto his face? Everything is screaming at you to put your hands out to protect. You don't only get hit with a chair and he would just fall and his head would like break his fall. Oh my God, how? Well, he did get concussed a few times doing that, so... <laughs> well, yeah. Don't mess about with your head. That's a good motto for life. Don't mess about with your head. <laughs> Here we are. I'll make a meme out of that. Just my face, that quote underneath. Don't mess about your head. Keep it simple, isn't it? Just don't do it. It's one of like one of Carl Pilkington's words of wisdom, isn't it? Yes. Don't mess about with your head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so onto my second clip. This is Kurt Angle versus Abyss in a Falls Count Anywhere match at TNA Turning Point 2008. Now Kurt trying to find his way out of here as Abyss crawling on all four. He's on hands and knees right here next to us at the broadcast table. Abyss trying to get it back together. And Angle turns around up at the top of the ramp. It's almost as if Angle now senses that he's got Abyss. But, but look at this. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Oh my God. Kurt Angle just did a freaking somersault off of the top of the stage. This is yet another one of those clips that I first saw a very small clip of on social media and thought, I have to watch that match. And if anyone knows their wrestling, then that clip specifically, they will know, was the angle stage dive. But uh, before I get onto that, I tell you what, <laughs> I loved WWE angle. But TNA Angle just hit differently, didn't he? He was so much more intense, like an MMA fighter at times. And I've also put on record how much I like Abyss a few times on this podcast. So I was genuinely looking forward to watching this match. It's been called one of the wildest brawls in TNA history. Um, And they set the tone right from the start, didn't they, really, with the Abyss shock treatment move as almost the first big spot. You know, if you know a match... If it starts like that, it's it's going to be quite something. Yeah. And I mean, you must have been watching this just thinking, oh, my God, this is like classic ECW. I was creaming my pants. I slid off the chair twice. (laughs) That's that's nice. That's a visual. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know if I want to go on now thinking about that. (laughs) 
but yeah, the whole brawling through the crowd, the stage segments. Yeah, the I mean, the angle somersault dive from the stage. Wow, that's what we're all here for. Let's be honest. <laughs> it was perfectly executed by both men, you know, because Abyss had to be in the right position to catch Angle and allow him to land safely after doing that. Um, And then, yeah, just, it was just beautiful. It's like poetry in motion. And I know that's another wrestling move, but this was like that. It's, it's so smooth and so beautiful. And the moonsault as well that he does uh, in this and that he always, I'm just, I could watch an Angle moonsault all the time. It's, it's, it's stunning. That's what it is. <laughs> and I will let you um, tell me what you thought of this match in a minute. But the bit where they don't know where they've gone after that crash through the wall, and then suddenly Angle comes flying <laughs> through the other side of the stage. That was hilarious because I I was expecting something, but I think it was just the rate that he came out and the distance that he flew <laughs> just really caught me off guard. You know, I expected <laughs> some kind of crash somewhere. Yeah. at some point or the camera to find them doing something but yeah the fact that he went so far so quickly <laughs> through that <laughs> other half of the stage with the commentary box in sight it's just great oh bro I just slow clapping you not out of mockery just out of admiration this is just another classic wild TNA match from back in the day that I plan to feature myself for the exact same reason. Uh, I've said it before, and you've literally just said it now. My God, Angle in TNA. No longer the milk-chugging goody-two-shoes. Like you said, he is an intense prize fighter with a shitload of fire in his belly. Oh, I just, I, The little things, like, yes, he still wears the Stars and Stripes, but he's changed his boots for white sneakers. The gum shield... The, just the, the Ken Shamrock style screams. Even like, yes, he shaved his hair as part of the angle, but just a bit of stubble. You know, like he was the clean shaven. He was the sappier version of Hulk Hogan back in the day, let's be fair. But to see him reinvent himself, you know, coming out with a hood over his head, the rap music. Oh, my God. I never thought I would love an angle gimmick. But yeah. But it was a... Uh... A reinvention that was true to who he was as well, because yeah. he was a legitimate shoot wrestler. He, won, he did win an Olympic gold medal. You know, he was a very tough, strong, legitimate sportsman. And so there was nothing about that angle that that felt false that about that character that he was portraying there. It felt so true to him and as true as, as the other character that he played. It was brilliant. I think truer because, you know, he's doing his stupid spinning around as he comes to the ring, the you suck chance. Five minutes into any WWE match, even back in the day, he turned it on. The intensity was there. So it was almost like, yeah, there was a, that's quite a good point, actually. There was this contrast between this stupid goody two-shoes gimmick and just how utterly badass he was in the ring. But yeah, another complete contrast in styles, you know, a strong theme in this episode. Look at us. We've we've picked clips where there are these contrasts. And we've picked four actual wrestling matches. I think it's the first time in about a year that we've done that. Right. Next next pod, I want parodies. I want musical numbers, animated shit. I want utter craziness. No matches, please. More more interviews on the big breakfast bed. That's what you're saying. Yeah, hell yeah. Ooh, it's Lily. <laughs> 
Oh, Abyss is insane. The crowd was insane. This match was absolutely bonkers, and I loved every second of it. The crowd brawls, like you said, that somersault. Every time Angle dives, flips, moonsaults, we are always in awe. And, you know, you literally just said he isn't Jeff Hardy, but he is a gold freaking medalist. That spear through the wall, the picture-perfect moonsault onto the chair, even that huge fall through the table from the scaffolding. The hell did I just watch? I loved TNA back in the day. I don't even remember this match. I watch it like, oh my Christ, that was insane. Yeah, it was really good. A, a proper hardcore brawl, but one that didn't rely on blood and really too many hardcore elements. You know, there was yeah. a lot of being thrown through stuff and falling onto stuff and a lot of power moves. But yeah, the, I, yeah it was great. I wasn't disappointed with this. And uh, I thought, oh, Craig's going to like this match. Oh, yeah. I mean, you didn't, you don't need the blood and the barbed wire and the fire and the thumbtacks. It was, it was more of a hardcore match, but just the intensity. I mean, Angle, Angle made the match. And when is he known for hardcore wrestling, crowd brawls? Never. He's a mat technician. He made the match. How fluid he was. Oh, it, it was, it was awesome. Good. Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, we've really broken the mold this episode with four actual wrestling clips. And, uh, you know, you picking a WWE clip and me not, that's that's also got to be a first. We're in bizarro world. Yeah, we need to rectify this shit, bro. That's it. I don't want a single match next time. No, and we've we've all, you know, there's how many? Uh, okay, there's three of our four matches with really big monster heels. Well, you know, we do inadvertently do these themes. It's almost like we're brothers wrestling with my brothers. That's what we've been. We're a podcast. You can find us on all the podcast platforms, not just this one that you're listening on now, but all of them. Go out and find us on another one. If you're on Spotify, go out and find us on Anchor. If you're on Apple, go and find us on Google. Listen to us on each one of them. You know, have two or three on at the same time. Have one on your Alexa over there. Have one on Siri over there on your iPhone. Have one on a stereo if you've got an old stereo. I don't know. Have one on your TV. You can listen to us anywhere, anyhow. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's amazing i'm gonna go and do that very thing now don't be a wanker get yourself an anchor fantastic that should be the tagline but it's not i keep telling them <laughs> we're also on twitter my god as if we weren't on enough friggin' platforms we're on another one at russell bruce pod you will be disappointed if you go there though because it is exclusively promo for this podcast so yeah, you right. know, don't expect mind-blowing content because we're busy creating we're busy creating that for our actual jobs don't don't play it because even your posts to advertise the podcast i love the emojis you do in place of bullet points i i you know good content good shit bro okay we've been wrestling my brother you've been awesome thank you for listening Mm, have they been awesome though thank you for listening yeah leave it at that bye do we need to thank him no fuck it bye everyone <laughs> wrestling with my brother we got a podcast yeah wrestling with my brother